Well, uh, it is, uh, oh, it's 1121. Now, our guest, I usually preach two or three hours. Did y'all bring a snack? No, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'll try to keep it uh, short today. Uh, and my church family says, no, you won't. I will try to get us out of here in a timely manner. But today I want to talk about uh, a topic that the Lord laid upon my heart. And it is new wine requires new wine skins. Amen. And I want to talk to you about wine skins and the representation and the representation of what the new wine is um, and why we need that in our lives. And so we pick up our text today. We'll be in Matthew chapter 9. If you have your Bibles or your phones or whatever it is you are looking up the Word of God, it'll also be on the screen. But in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus uh, is actually answering a question about fasting. And he uses the analogy of the wineskin and the new wine. But the whole premise is really about fasting. And it it comes down to basically... um, being legal, legalistic, if you will. And so in Matthew chapter 9, um, he answers 9 through about 17 or 18. He answers this question about fasting with three different analogies, three different scenarios, if you will, or parables uh, that he will give an answer for with. And Matthew nine fourteen says this, Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Now, I I don't know about you, but John, you know, he was God's God's man. And he comes to God, comes to Jesus with a question. Now, why do we as John's disciples, why do we have to to fast, and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples, the 12, don't have to. What's the deal with that, Jesus? I mean, I don't know about you, but that's probably not something I want to address Jesus about, why he's doing something a certain way. I mean, he's Jesus. He's probably got a pretty good reason, right? But uh, but legalistic, uh, when you get legalism in your life, and when you get a a process that's got to be done this way and this way and no other way or it's not right, you got to be careful. Because when you get legalistic about something, you, you, you have no room for God to move in your life. You have no room for the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do in your life because you're so legalistic. And if it's not done in the box that you, you chose, then it must not be God. You know God's bigger than your box. God can do anything he wants to, whenever he wants to, however he wants to, and it'll still be God. Just because you hadn't seen it. Doesn't mean it's not God. He hadn't seen it done this way or that way. It's still God. Amen? So, uh, so that question has arisen. It's about fasting. So the first analogy is this in verse 15. And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. So as I was studying, I, I got to thinking, well, you know, to answer this question, can we fast when we have the bridegroom, we must first, we, why do we fast? Why, why would that be a, why is that something we need to do? Why do we fast? I mean, we have a few th- things. It's not for w- weight loss. A lot of us think, well, I'm, we're going on a church fast, man. I'm going to lose, drop me about 10 pounds. That's really, you may do that, but that's not the purpose of fasting. 
I'm going to give you, there's, there's many, but I'm going to give you six real quick. We're not going to put the verses up. I'm going to tell you the verses so we can, for the sake of time. But <clears throat> so, so in order to, to answer this question, why do we fast and, and have to and you don't, we must understand this fasting uh, question or this why do we fast. Here are six reasons. Number one, Jesus expects us to fast in Matthew 16, verse 16 through 18. Number two, we fast for humility. How many of you need a good dose of humility? Okay, for the ones who didn't raise your hand, how many of you know someone who needs a good dose of humility? Amen? Amen. Number three, we, 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 uh, we fast to help with our repentance. That God reveals things to us through our fasting, us drawing closer to God. To, to know that there's little things in your heart you think you're okay with, but God may not be okay with. That he digs a little deeper than the surface. And as you fast, those things come to, come, come to surface. And he says, you ought to deal with that. So repentance. Number, number four, we fast for strength and dedication to the Lord. How many of you can be a little stronger and be a little more dedicated to the Lord? Amen. Amen. We all could. So that's one of the, another reason for fasting. Another one is for discipline. Amen. I don't even want to go down that road. But, you know, we all need to be disciplined a little more in the things of Christ. Amen? So that's another reason for fasting. Uh, the sixth thing is for strengthened prayers. And we find, I didn't give you all these verses, but if you'll notice, I'll send them to you. Uh, but that's found in Matthew 17, 21. And so there's so many things that we fast for. And what he's trying to get across to John's disciples and the Pharisees, that my disciples, they're with me right now. Everything that they could fast for is in me. I'm here with them. They don't need for me to fast to show up to, show up to them to show them how to be more disciplined. I'm with them. They don't need to fast so that I'll show up and, and, and strengthen them. I'm with them. I can show them right now. They, they, don't, they don't need any of these fast, the things that we fast. Well, we, they don't need to do that because I'm here now. But he says, one of these is I'm going to leave and then they're going to have to fast. So you, 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 you need to fast. I need to fast. If the, if the disciples of Christ needed to fast, guess what? You're probably going to need to. If he said, I want you to fast in Matthew 16, you need to fast. Amen. So fasting, to answer this question is, so why do we have to do that? We have to answer this. It's for me. It's for me to grow. None of these things you fast for for Christ. Think about it. Your fasting is for you. Your fasting is for your growth, for your strength, your dedication, your prayer, your prayer life. That, that's what it's for. So he's saying, if I'm here, you don't need these things. I'm already here. Amen? And so he goes on. He says, or as in analogy number two, well, let me say this first, that you can't mourn for that which you have not yet lost. He says, can the, can the disciples mourn for me when I'm still here? No. I'm here. He says, you can't do that. So why would you fast for something that you already have? You don't have to do that. You've already got everything you need. But there will be a time when they need to fast. There's a time today you need to fast. If you want to draw closer to the Lord, you need to learn to fast. You need a, you need a fasting uh, regimen, if you will. I'm not talking about a process or a, a protocol. I'm not talking about a program. I'm talking about you need to learn to fast. When the Lord lays it on your heart, one of the hardest things to do about fasting is fasting. You ever thought about that? The hardest thing to do when you fast is fast. 
Because when you start mentioning fast, some of you are getting hungry right now. Me just talking about fasting. You're wondering, where are we going to eat? I hope we don't call a fast at the end of church and it starts right after church because I only had a bowl of cereal for breakfast. Fasting, it just messes with you when you want to fast, when you start talking about fasting. But guess what? That fasting also messes with you when you get serious about fasting with the Lord. It'll start messing with that spirit. It'll start showing you things that you thought you were okay with. So fasting is very, very important. When it comes to this fasting thing, we want the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost without power and fasting, without the power of fasting. We want the power. We want everything God has, but we don't want to do our part. We want the power and the presence of the Lord to surround us and go with us and be with us, but we don't want to engage in fasting. We don't want to engage in denying the flesh. If it wasn't for my fleshly body, I'd be great. Man, everything would be good. I told Ralph one day, my spirit is saved, but my flesh is crazy as a shot rabbit. It's my flesh that I have problem with. And when we start dealing with the flesh through fasting, what does that do? That draws us closer to God. You can't get closer to God without first prayer and fasting. Come on. Amen, preacher. Analogy number two, you are quiet today. We're, we're our Pentecostal church, believe it or not. I know you all know this, but you know, we're, 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 we're pretty quiet today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, but you're okay. We're good. Analogy number two, no one pizza puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. For the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. Now, I don't know how he come up with this. And answering the question, why we got to fast. Now he's talking about garments and clothing and putting a piece of new material on an old one. But he's going somewhere, amen? Kind of like me. He goes somewhere. It just takes him a while to get back around, amen? And so he gives this analogy about a new piece of cloth on an old garment. Now, I don't know about you, but when I grew up, we, we didn't have a lot of money. And my mother would buy these iron-on knee patches. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Somebody that's over 40? Man. I mean, you, they were like cardboard. I mean, you walked around like this. They were awesome. But you didn't really want to wear that to school. You had no problem wearing around as though what we had. See, when I, I, I'm not as old as some of you, but we had work clothes and good clothes. Play clothes, you could do whatever you want to. Work clothes, but don't get your good clothes dirty. Amen? And, and so mom would patch those clothes. And I mean, it, it, you could tell. I mean, you couldn't disguise a patch on your knee. I mean, you could cross your leg. No, it's, it's there. It stood out. It made a difference. And you know, around where that patch was, that might start tearing. It might start getting a little more faded and a little more weak. But that patch... I'm telling you, there's going to be patches in heaven because they don't wear out, amen? They're, they're eternal, okay? And so there's, there's this thing about these patches that had significance. And obviously in the biblical times, they patched a lot of things because they didn't have a lot of money. And they'd take some old cloth and they'd put it on, uh, or take some new cloth and put it on some old clothes. Now, it served their purpose, but it wasn't very pretty. 
But after a while, because see, that, that new garment was stronger. It had more fibers weaved into the cotton. And after a while, that new thread that you had taken and sewn on that old spot, it would begin to tear that old garment. And it wouldn't hold. It wasn't anything wrong with the patch. It's just that the old garment wasn't strong enough because there's, you know, how many of you, you're only as strong as your weakest link. You've heard, you've heard that? Well, that's kind of the way it was with this patch. And around that patch, that old soft garment would begin to turn loose and begin to tear. And that old new garment would really look out of place. That new piece, would, new patch would really look out of place then. And so in this analogy, we want this. I put this in my notes that we, wanna, we want the look of the new and we want the feel of the new and we want the strength of the new, but we don't want to get rid of the old. So many of us want to keep doing exactly what we've been doing to get us where we are, but we know we need a change in our lives, and we ask the Lord to help us, and he comes and puts a new patch on something that you don't want to turn loose of called your old self. And it never works that way. This is an analogy about you as well. It has nothing really to do about fasting, but it has everything to do about fasting. Because, see, the, the new patch represents you have to do something different and new if you want something from God in a different way. It's not, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about growing deeper in God. I'm talking about if you want the deepness of God, it's going to take some sacrifice on your part. You can't continue going down to the to casino. I kind of preach kind of rough sometimes. Uh, hope you all don't own a casino. <clears throat> no, <laughs> You can't keep going there. You can't keep doing the sinful things that you do in your life and expect God to do something great in your life. It's a, something new that's put on an old patch and something's going to give. Most of the time I see this that when that patch begins to tear and rip, people hit the back doors and they turn their back on God. They say, God, you didn't work for me. Well, well, it just didn't, it, it just wasn't my thing. I, I, I've heard this, this statement. Just wasn't my fit. I wonder what they're going to say when they stand before the Lord in judgment. When they, well, God, you just ain't my fit. What's the other plan? Oh, it's hell. You really enjoy it. That's the options, church. But if we want, if we want to experience what God has for us, and we want to move forward in the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, in power and demonstration. If we want to see this community saved and set on fire for the Lord, we've got to start doing something different. We've got to put the old aside and say, Lord, I want all, I want a brand new garment. Guys, I, I feel like I'm in a barrel. Can somebody cut me down some way? Does it, does it sound okay out there? Well, it just must be my ears. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> Analogy number three in verse 17, getting to our, the, our title of our text, New Wine Requires New Wine Skins. <clears throat> verse 17 says, Nor do they put new wine into old wine skins, or else the wine skins would break. The wine is spilled and the wine skins are ruined. Look at what happens. Both things are destroyed. What you had, the old, and what you put in there that you wanted is destroyed when you try to do it your way. That's important. Okay, watch. 
It says, uh, but, they, but they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Now, wineskins were mainly made of the skin of goats and sheep. And you'd put wine after a process of tanning. You'd put your drink in that. Probably not that thirsty yet. <laughs> you tan the hide, put some pitch in it, smooth it out, seal it up, sew it up, put a drinking spout on it. And when you're really thirsty and you close your eyes, you're thinking about a goat. <laughs> and you start feeling hair in your mouth. Because you know what that, amen? Yeah, I just thought I'd give you a visual there. Each unsealed wineskin measured 17 and three quarters inches long by about seven inches wide and would hold 25 ounces of liquid. Okay, typically a wine. or You could, you could put water in it after you used it. But, uh, but 25 ounces, that's a little over that, you know, that $5.20 ounce Dr. Pepper you buy. Have y'all priced those things lately? Yeah, they're high. Two of those would get us $10. Ship a box around the world. Amen? Thought I forgot about that, didn't you? New wine in the, in the Bible is, talked, is, is a symbolic thing of the Holy Spirit, number one. Also, new wine is also symbolic of a transformation process. And I want to talk to you about this transformation process. If you want something new, you've got to do something you've never done before. Think about that. If you want something you've, you, you don't have now, you've never had it, you must do something completely different than what you're doing right now. Because doing what you're right now over and over and over, expecting a different result is what? Insanity. Doesn't happen that way. So what I'm here to tell you, if you're, if you're following the Lord, but you're doing everything you used to do before you came to the Lord, and you're expecting, or you're thinking, why am I not growing? What's the deal with me? It's God, it must be you because I haven't changed. And he's saying, there's the problem. It has nothing to do with me. It's you. So as wine fermented, this is why you didn't put new wine into old bottles. Okay? So as the new wine were poured into uh, the bottles... A, uh, it wasn't completely fermented at that point. Fermentation makes things, causes things to expand and to, to it's, there's a transformation that happens. And so when they would pour the, the wine into a wineskin, it would expand. But it get to a point, and after, uh, after it got to that expansion point, it would stop expanding. And when you got the wine out, it would go through a hardening process. And that's... That's what it was from that point on. And if you were to put new wine into that old wineskin, as it began to ferment, it was no, there was no room for expansion. That was it. And so something had to give. You ever been in that place in your life where something had to give? You ever said, God, something's got to give here? Either you got to save my loved one or my kids or something's going to happen. I'm going to send them on to you anyway kind of thing. Amen. You've been to that point, something was going to give. And in this process, the wine was only doing what it knew to do, and that was to expand and ferment. It was a natural process. But when that was encapsulated in this old wineskin, the only thing that wineskin could do was to burst. Now, that's some 
powerful fermentation. And so in this transformation of this wine, putting into an old vessel, there was a process that took place. And if it wasn't in the new vessel, the old vessel got broken. You know, that's symbolic of what God wants to do in your life. The old you has to be broken into pieces, gotten out of the way, so that God can do what he wants to do in your life. See, as long as you want to be the old wineskin and just get a little bit of Jesus in you, and, oh, that's a little, that's a little uncomfortable. We need to pour some of this out. I, need to, I don't have to go to church that much. I don't have to serve that. Give how much? Lord, have you looked at the price of gasoline lately? Have you seen how much groceries have went up lately, Lord? Mm, that's going to sting me a little bit. He says, yeah, that's uh, what needs to happen in your life. Because, see, he's not trying to get, God never tries to get money from you. By the way, he doesn't need your money. You know, most of the time we're hung up. I never talk about money here, but since you're here, I'll talk about money. I can do it. My friends are with me. If God can get to your pocketbook, he can get to your heart. As long as you keep that pocketbook sealed up, it's hard for him to get to that heart. You're in an old wine skin thinking, this is the way I'm going to do it, Lord. Now, you just receive what I got with thanksgiving. See, we got that backwards. I said it correctly. I said the way I wanted to say it. We want to give it to God and say, Lord, you receive it with thanksgiving. Just be glad I gave. Be glad I had a little bit left over to give. See, if you give God his in the first, you don't don't have to worry about your bank account being broken in. Mm, That's how to preach too. When this new wine was put into this old wineskin, or into the new wineskin, this process of stretching began to happen, and it was natural. If you'll be obedient to God and say, Lord, whatever you want to do in my life, Lord, whatever it is you desire to do in me, I'm going to do it. Now watch this. When you make that, when you pray that, get ready for some stretching. Get ready for some discomfort. Get ready for some things in your life has got to move out. Come on, if you're a new wineskin, Lord, I want to do what you want. Lord, I want to be a warrior for you. I want to be, I want to be on fire for you. I want to win souls for you. I want, whatever it is that the Lord is calling you to do, you've got to be ready for the discomfort that comes along with it. Because there's some discomfort that comes along with serving the Lord. If someone lied to you, and I'm sorry if they did this to you, but if they lied to you and told you that everything's going to be just roses when you gave your heart to the Lord, I apologize to you for them because serving the Lord is not always easy oh it's great great rewards but there's some tough times in serving the Lord there's some things you've got to get rid of that your flesh says I want to hang on to you know one of the hardest things for me when I got saved uh, was to go and, uh, and I, go and tell my friends that I had told dirty jokes with too Maybe even started those dirty jokes. Had bad things we talked about. Drank and all those things that you do. You know, I don't, is drinking even a sin anymore? Is being drunk a sin? Yeah, it is, by the way. I just want you to just testing you. Drunkenness is a sin. All of those things that we would go and do. It was hard for me to go back and say, I can't do that anymore. What, are you some weirdo? 
No, I got saved. Oh, you're definitely a weirdo. You're definitely a weirdo. You got saved. You're, something's wrong with you. Oh, and you go, you go, to, you go to Pentecostal? You're definitely, you're double weird. <laughs> you're, something ain't right with you. It was hard. How many of you ever had to try to do that? Cut your friends loose. That, that's hard. That's tough. Stop, watch this. Stop watching things on television. Mm. Mm. I thought I would get into watching. Um, can I go and say it? My wife. By the way, my wife always just, she helps me. I thought I would start watching a series, Do Not Be Mad at Me. How many of you love me? I'm going to need a little bit better than that. How many of you love me? I'm going to ask that question again in just a minute. Because I tell you this because I love you because I know the enemy's tricks. I'm, 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 I'm your pastor, but it's not because I'm immune to things. It's not because I haven't been there. I hadn't always been a pastor. I hadn't always been saved. Someone asked me one time, how did you know about that? I said, I ain't always been saved. I know some things. I know what trickery the enemy uses. But some of you are hung up on this show called Yellowstone. <laughs> I like Kevin Costner and Dances with Wolves, Silverado. But I'm going to tell you, now, look, I'm not telling you you can't watch a television show. I'm telling you just repent afterwards, okay? I thought I'd watch it last night. See, I've never watched a thing in my life. That kind of stuff don't really. I thought, well, somebody said, I'll watch it. Four minutes. I, I look back on the stream. Four minutes and 33 seconds. Hear me. I heard the F word twice. I heard GD twice. I heard numerous other. Smaller cuss words. In four minutes and 33 seconds. How many of you still love me? A little lower that time. Look, I've got TVs and I've got three or four in my house. I'm not against television at all. But what you allow into your spirit, if you're okay with the F word... I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about foo-foo. <laughs> if you're okay with the F word being around in your house and hearing your grandbabies when they walk through, if you're okay with, with going against the Bible when it says, you shall not take, thou shalt not take the uh, Lord God's name in vain, and you hear GD, We really need to look at what garment we've got on because I'm thinking we're trying to slip back into the old garment. You're not being a peculiar people. You're not being be ye holy as I am holy, says the Lord. It's a little difference. Look, I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm trying to warn you that the enemy, what you allow through your television screen, what you allow into your ears enters your heart. And then what's in your heart, what comes out. There's a problem, church. If we're okay with that, 
You know the old saying? What we, what we tolerate, our children will embrace. I'm not telling you not to watch TV. Please don't think that. I'm telling you, you need to listen to what's happening. If they're, if they're going against the biblical things that you stand for, you don't need to watch it. I don't care if it's Yellowstone or Yellow Brick Road or whatever it is. I don't care. I don't care what it is. Here's the problem. Most of you pay for it. The Bible says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. The devil's not jumping up on there and saying, Hey, I'm here. Guess what? I'm going to mess your life up. I wish it was that easy. Then I know he's there. It's through the little avenues. Amen. One more time. Do you love me? Amen. Okay, just checking before we, before we close this thing down. I didn't know if I need to go and close now or if I got 11 more minutes. Just checking. I, I kind of keep my people involved there. I keep them on the edge of the seats if you hadn't noticed that, uh, Joyce. And so, <laughs> New wine can't go into old wineskins. No more than this old body can enter into heaven. The Bible says that this corrupt body must take on incorruptibility. That this mortality, this mortal body must take on immortality. What you live in now will not be in heaven. There's a difference. There's a changing. Much like this wine being poured into something, it's not going to stay the same. If it stays the same, something's going to burst. You can't handle what God wants to do in your life the way you are. It's when we begin to change and we begin to surrender to God. He said, Lord, what do you want to do? Then guess what? Then he closed us with what? A, a righteousness. He says he closed us with righteousness. And his righteousness won't crack. It won't fail on you. It won't burst. It won't let you down. It'll take care of you and take you through whatever you're going through. It's his righteousness. Give him praise if you choose. We want the new wine, but we don't want the transformation that comes with it. We want everything God has for us as long as I don't have to do anything different. We want power without prayer. We don't want to, we don't want to pray about anything unless it's something we want God to do in our lives. Lord, help me do this, provide this, heal me of this, fix this. We want holiness without being holy. To me, that sounds crazy. You want to be holy without practicing holiness. That's as dumb as transgender bathrooms. Boys and girls, that's just so stupid to me. How, do, how, do we, how did we get this far? How did we allow our society to get this far? This morning in my office, several of us guys were in there talking, and I, and I made this statement. I said, the, the privilege that my parents' pastor had over me was this. My parents at that age, years ago, I'm young, but 45, 50 years ago, taught us at home. They didn't rely on the pastor to teach them everything about God. They didn't rely on the youth pastor to teach them everything about God. They didn't rely on Wednesday night. I hope they get it. Boy, if they don't get it, we're quitting that church. They didn't get my kid fixed. We went three times. I mean, how many times you got to go? Preacher went in there, but he was just dry this morning. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't minister to me. Well, maybe you didn't come in and say, Lord, what are you going to do in my life? 
or maybe you did come in and say, Lord, what do you want to do in my life? And he said this, this, and then you said, oh, I don't like that church. But the privilege he had that we were taught at home, the privilege that I don't have, is a lot of people don't teach their kids at home. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I talk to our teachers upstairs. And they say that our parents aren't teaching our kids the Bible verses. That's how we got on this slippery slope. That's how we can say, I want to be holy. I want holiness without being holy. I want the warmth of the fire without chopping the wood. When I grew up, we had to cut our own firewood to have heat. Lived in an old plantation house. And the insulation in that house was at, at the home builder's place uptown somewhere. He wasn't in that house. Get dry in the summertime, the ground start cracking, the walls, you look through them, you know. It was cold in that house, and I remember in the summertime, it was 100 degrees outside. You had to go cut firewood, putting that stove in the winter. We had always complained to my father, Dad, why in the world we got to cut wood? It's 100 degrees outside. Let's just wait. He said, because when it gets cold, you don't want to cut it then either. But you're going to want to stand by the fire. So you had to go chop some wood, and that's the way we are in today's society. We want the warmth and the fire of God, but we don't want to go chop any wood. We don't want to do anything new. We want to live in the old wineskin, the old mentality. But we want the warmth of God. We want him when we need him. Otherwise, Lord, I'll holler at you when i got to have you. We want to quench our thirst Without first digging the well. We want God to fill us and to do for us what what the word says he'll do. But we don't want to dig any wells to get down to the water. We don't want to do anything. We want God to do everything in our lives. We want him to be the fix all. We want him to be the miracle drug. We want him to do everything as we said and just receive. It's not what God's word says it's going to be like. You got to put some hand to plow. And you got to begin to plow your row. Come on. And there's some things in your life's got to change. Or when the Holy Spirit comes, when you make that prayer come and it cracks, your, your, your wineskin cracks, I can tell you exactly what's going to happen. You're going to blame God. He just wasn't all I thought he was. He sure wasn't what that preacher said. He said, he told me about Jeremiah 29 11. For the Lord has good plans for me. Increase me and prosper me. Yes, that's what I want. We like those verses. No weapons formed against me shall prosper. We love those. But we don't want to pray. We don't want to fast. We don't want to seek the Lord. We don't, do, we, don't want to, we don't want to go out of our way to make it to church so we can be a blessing to others. Come on. Amen. You still love me? Yes. Amen. There must be a transformation if a pianist, whoever that is today. I saw my wife. She's gone. So, honey, you'll have to do. (laughs) I love doing that with visitors, by the way. That just freaks them out because they know my wife. It's a long story. I'll tell you after church. We're not broken here, by the way. There must be transformation. There must be transformation 
to drink of the new wine. I'm not talking about coming down and giving your heart to the Lord. You come as you are in your brokenness and all of your clutter and all of your mess and all of your baggage and all your, all your stuff in the background. You come and you bring that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about once you get saved, in order to drink of the newness of God, you've got to start changing some things in your life. And until we do that, church... We're just simply sipping from a stale cup of nothing. There must be prayer. Hear me when I tell you this. There must be prayer in order for you to receive power to overcome that stronghold in your life. What is your stronghold? It's just start defining it. Is it lust? Is it pornography? Is it drunkenness? Is it drugs? Is it fornication? Is it lying? Is it malice? Is it envy? Is it adultery? What is it? Everyone has a stronghold in your life. But without prayer, you won't be able to break that because prayer is your communication with God. It's how you fix you. In your prayer, you're not praying so you can fix God. He's already fixed. He's never been broken. When you pray, it's, Lord, what do I need to do in my life? Help me, Lord. And then when I fast, it gives me strength to overcome those strongholds, those bondages, those chains in your life. And as long as you're bound, as long as you're, you're stove up in your stuff, you're never going to be effective for the kingdom. It's when we say, Lord, pour into me new wine, into this new wine skin, Lord. I don't know everything. I don't know how to do everything. But with you and the Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me and direct me. I can change the world. I just hope we can change our families. Start at the house, the living room of your house, in your kid's bedroom. We can just start there, church. The world would be changed. And lastly, there must be, it's not optional, there must be a practice of holiness to become holy. You, you, you can't get to holiness without passing the idea of being holy. I'm not talking about being weird. I'm talking about being holy. The Bible says that we're to be Christ-like. That's what Christian means to be, a follower of Christ. Is that correct? And the Bible, as I alluded to earlier, says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. You can't get to holiness doing what you've always done if it's sinful. Sin is not holiness. I'm not talking about, again, doing flips in the floor. We get kind of nervous when we talk about holiness. We, we get weird. Ooh, holiness. I see folks that do flips. I've never seen anybody do flips. I've been Pentecost all my life. <laughs> see, people that walk on the back of the pews, I've never seen that in all of my life. I don't know where that came from. I've never seen that. 55 years old, I've never seen that in my life. Ever. 
We associate holiness with being a little weird. No, holiness is an awesome reference of God. It's knowing that the God you serve, the God that saved you, that willingly gave his son to die on a cross, came for you and your brokenness and your sin and all of the stuff that comes with you and says, I love you the way you are. And I tell you what, if you just come to me, my gift is free. And if you want it, you can receive it. Just believe it and accept it. That's what I'm talking about, holiness. And when you get there, guess what? These things that you've been doing, these people you've been hanging around with that are not holy, these things that you've been watching that are not holy, these jokes and stuff you've been telling that are not holy, or, or, or what do they call it now, sexting? The young people just flipped out right there. They didn't even know I knew that word. Hadn't always been this old. And I look around the room, and I see some of the adults saying, oh, Lord. Come on, this is real stuff. It's nothing. It's just what you got to get rid of in your life. I want us as a church to be full of new wine. And that's going to require new wineskin. And you, my friends, are the wineskin. The new wine is not the problem. Jesus is not the problem. It's us. Will you stand with me across this building?